Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech olam, Borei peri agafen. All right, you want to talk? Let's talk. Okay, young lady. I can help. Oh, she's awake. Do you really think that God led me here? Come here. You don't? Why would he? Why wouldn't he? Do you answer every question with a question? Do I? Everybody knew this guy was guilty. They couldn't pin any of the murders directly to him. Then my dad found something. A purse belonging to one of the missing women. Sounds like your father was a hero. He planted that purse. He knew this man was guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now, and it is my privilege and honor to welcome our very special guest who plays Rabbi Jacob on Fear the Walking Dead, Peter Jacobson. Peter, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. It is my honor to have you here. So we have a lot of questions for you, and let's just get started. Fear of the Walking Dead is completely different from the majority of the, the majority of the other projects that you have done in your career. What attracted you to the role of Jacob on Fear? Um, well, it sort of came out of the blue. I had not been a zombie watcher i didn't i knew i only even really knew about walking dead because i my most recent show was this show colony that i did mm -hmm. for usa with uh, josh holloway and sarah wayne callies and sarah was i i had been on walking mm -hmm. dead and so we would talk she would talk to me about that and i so i just sort of i really only learned about it through sarah and then um i got the offer for jacob for for rabbi jacob like about a week before the show, even I think less, it was like four days. I just suddenly got this script and it was such a wonderful thing. I heard, you know, I heard, all right, they want you to play rabbi. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to play another. <laughs> it's not my first rabbi. Um, but I didn't know anything about the show. And it was this episode. It was just, you know, it's such a wonderful episode and it was so rich and it was such an interesting character and the world is fabulous. And Garrett Dillahunt, um, he and I go back to the late 80s, wow. actually. We uh, knew each other in New York in graduate school. So I had a history with him and and it was just, I was like, I read it and I was like, I've got to do this part. I, I, you know, I don't even care what happens. I just have to do this episode. And they had said um, it might turn into a little bit more, you know, these things they they usually say that, and then you see. And um, and uh, I had worked with uh, Michael Sestremis. I never heard Satrazimus. Satrazimus. <laughs> Don't listen, Mike. Just I'll call him Mikey. Um, he and I had done a, a terrific um, show. He was, I think, one of the. He was. I maybe he was even a cameraman. I'm going to insult him twice. I'm getting his name wrong and his position wrong. He was not directing, but he was sort of up and coming in his career. Yeah. Well, he started the, out as a cameraman. Yeah, and I think I don't know if he was an AD. I don't think he was an AD. I think he was the like camera operator. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know if he's a DP. But on this show called The Lost Room for um, the Sci-Fi Channel, which uh, was this wonderful miniseries that I did back in you know a long time ago, and um, and I think he was part of the reason or the reason why I got the part because he remembered me from long ago, and I guess they were looking for a rabbi, and he thought of me because often when people are looking for rabbis, they think of me <laughs> and. Uh, and boom, the script was great, and I had a great time. I was just saying I really took to killing zombies very quickly. Oh, yeah. And um, got a lot of positive feedback on that front. And um, and the character kind of stuck around. And I, I don't know where he'll go from here, but every time I'm out there, it's just a lovely experience. So, so I'm having a great time. That's awesome. So the majority of the people that I've spoken to, it's usually them auditioning for the role. They came to you. <clears throat> That's rare for me. I'm not, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to sound like a... Uh, no, I'm, no, I'm that's, auditioner. I mean, you've been in this industry for a long time. Your resume yeah. is about as impressive as it gets. To me, Thank it's you. a no-brainer that they came to you. Well, I felt the role spoke to me quickly, and um, 
and that was one of those times when it does happen when suddenly you just get an offer out of the blue um, and it seems to be just a real fit. I go, oh, wow, great. And I can see what they were thinking. And uh, so it just seemed like sort of a nice fortuitous moment. I don't know what, you know, Mikey was looking at, you know, heading up to that episode. But uh, for whatever reason, we um, I was asked to come be in part of that world. And it has been really, really fun. So, so you came in at the end of season five. When were yeah. you notified that you were coming back for season six? Um, well, I knew I had two or three episodes when I first took the. I think I had, I knew I had two episodes when I when I first got the script. But then after that, then I think when I was doing the second episode, and I just got a lot of positive feedback from everybody there. And um, I think at some point, my agent called and said. Uh, that the they had just inquired about my availability for a couple more at the in the finale um, of season five and I truly was driving off I think I drove off with Mo and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like driving off I was like see you later I hope to come back it feels like a really good vibe you just never know you I mean, never know you know you just never ever know you could be having you, your character could be set up like with the best cliffhanger and you there's no you think there's no way I'm not coming back and then things just change and you know the shows tv shows are you can go any way at any time so i've learned over the years to not expect anything even when it feels good and it feels right i'm a bit of a superstitious in that way and also i just think it's logical and it probably keeps me out of my head yeah. as best i can and then at some point they um i think probably pretty quickly they said yeah we we want we you know we'd like to have you come back for some of this season six and then i was signed on to do three or four and i did the one that was just aired the other day mm -hmm. the key with garrett and uh and then coleman you know, yeah coleman domingo yeah coleman and uh and uh and then we um then we shut down right before i was going to come out for my next episode wow but, uh, wow what a we're back we're back and uh and kicking it down in austin you know. Exactly. And it's so awesome. I got to tell you, from my own personal experience, Peter, when I saw you, as I told you in the before we went live, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Dr. Tom. I'm going to get the house in a little bit. But then you were great in that first episode. No surprise. You got such an amazing reaction. And then we saw you for a second episode. And then we didn't see you. And I'm like, oh, man, the way they left it, it really seemed that there was a good possibility you might not come back. Yeah. And then we saw you come back uh, in the oil fields to help out with the zombies that were falling <laughs> off the cliff. Right, and one I'm, of my favorite zombie kills of that episode, I remember. Exactly, and I'm like, yes, yes, he's <laughs> back. Now, in late season five, uh, the majority of your scenes are with uh, Alexa, Alexa Nisanen, who plays Charlie. Right. Uh, tell us about the experience of working with Alexa. Well, my first episode with her was pretty much her and I, mm -hmm. and Jenna and, and Garrett, came, you know, was sort of peripherally there. We actually had a bunch of stuff with them, but really it was, it was Alexa and I. When I got there my first day, Mikey said, you're not going to believe this young lady. She is, you know, she's terrific. And she's, I think, I, I, I've already insulted, I've already insulted Mikey, so I don't insult her. Like 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that range, yeah. maybe younger even. Mm -hmm. Is it possible she was 11? No. <laughs> anyway, she seems older because she's such a damn good actress and just such a mature young person and she's terrific and we really had a lot of stuff together and it's um you know it's always weird coming on as a guest in any series because you're stepping into a world that is so established and this we could talk about with house that was really the case um and the you know the regulars on the show have a rhythm and they and there's a real family feeling and some shows you come on and it's hard to break in mm -hmm. either it's just not going to happen or it takes more episodes there's always a little bit of weirdness in it and and this was just such a great group of, you know, the, the production, everybody was so great and welcoming. And so I felt just comfortable. The vibe was really great. And having Alexa be so comfortable and she's such a good actress and it was, you know, I'm just this sort of random older guy who's coming in and we're doing all this stuff together. It's, you know, you see the final product and I'm not saying it's difficult. I mean, that's what a part of what I love about acting is you get thrown into a professional situation with all sorts of people and you got to show up and do it. And, uh, and I just thought she was terrific, and um, we had a great time. So the she's she's a really really solid actress. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so the Fear of the Walking Dead family, I mean, embraced you open arms. 
Yes, I think so. The props master, Eddie, uh, he and I had, you know, we were on house together for years. I didn't know he was on it. So he's, you know, he sets me up with my zombie weapons, you know, every day. And I, I love it. It's like old times. It's great. <laughs> now, when Jacob was explaining to Charlie the flame of truth, um, was that dialogue all from the writer's room or did you have any input into that? No, that was all them. I'm, I'm not a... Um, I'm not religious, so uh, I had to sort of get myself up to speed with the Hebrew, and I had a lot of help. And uh, you know, some of it's instinctual, and, I, and there are some stuff that I knew, um, but uh, you know, I would not have known what you know what what he was talking about on my own. And it was really, and that's part of when I read it, I was like, this is really lovely. It's educational for me, and it's uh, and it feels natural, and it's. My mom was thrilled with the episode. <laughs> um, and my grandmother would be too if she was still alive. Um, but it, yeah, the writer, they, they're they great. And they knew what they were doing. And uh, it felt really organic. And no, I didn't I didn't uh, change anything. It's all them. Okay, that's great. That's great to hear. Uh, now, <laughs> Rabbi Jacob, the impression that we get from when we first meet you is that he has been living in isolation in that synagogue since the start of the apocalypse is yeah. are we accurate in that pretty much yes there was if i recall he you know there was there were attempts to um you know improve their condition and eventually that led to him um leaving and they wound up you know he that's why he wound up being an outlier he mm -hmm. came back they were already dead um so he sort of escaped and that's sort of the source of his guilt but partially i think that's because he had been there for you know, he had been with them for so long and they had tried to make it for so long. Yeah, from the beginning, he was he was there. How do you explain why he kept his congregation stashed up as zombies in that on location? How do you reckon, if you were to get into Jacob's mind, what would be his reasoning for that? Well, he, you know, he tells, he tells the story that, he went out looking for supplies and then he came back and suddenly that, you know, everything had turned and mm -hmm. he, you know, and so he, you know, you know, he broke his heart, um, that, uh, he had, he was, you know, had, that he had left and wasn't able to help them out. Um, but really what happened was that he had fled. Um, if I have that, I hope I don't have that wrong. It's been a while since we shot it. Um, um, and so there was, I think there was a lot of guilt when he came back mm -hmm. and uh, he was a good man. And these were one of the things that was intense to, to play was while we were doing it, like especially the scene when he's, when he's doing the, the prayer of the dead, yeah. you know, these faces, you know, as best he can, these, this was his congregation, young children, this was his family. Yeah. And, uh, and so these people have, you know, this has happened to them. He survived he ran away, came back, he's guilty, and I think, you know, he has nowhere else to go. I think he's going to stick it out no matter what. I think there's a huge sense of guilt and just love and family, and and he's not going anywhere yeah. else. And I that made sense to me. I mean, it made sense that he would, it was sort of sick in a way, you know, he's, you know. No, no. <laughs> he's keeping him no, I, away, but I, I, it made all the sense of the world to me. Yeah, you know? and to me too, uh, as the viewer and a fan of the show, uh, he didn't run away. Like you said, he went on a supply run. He came back. Things were falling apart. And the thing about the guilt part, I absolutely agree with you. He felt guilty that he was not there to protect his congregation. Yeah. Now, moving on to season six, when did you find out that season six was going to be filmed in this episodic anthology style? Um, they didn't explain that to me right outright but when the schedule started to evolve and they were shooting things out of order mm -hmm. it was like i got there for the first when i shot that that episode four i believe was the first episode they shot of the season and but it was yet it was episode four and so they're explaining to us that we're thinking we're, we're shooting out of order for this reason because we're doing you know we can sort of do this chunk it doesn't really you know yeah you know you know, chronologically, it doesn't really matter, you know, when we shoot this and for whatever reason, they decide to shoot that first. Um, so I heard I learned about it on the set that that's how they were doing it. You sort of have our own actual little pods. I'm sort of <laughs> this is my I'm with this group here that's having this story told. And then everybody seemed to, you know, be excited to be together. But then they were like, you know, 
we won't see you for a while because yep. the other stuff is being shot. Now, is this the first time in your career you've done like an anthology style TV show? Um, I think so. Good God, I've been around so long. Do you I like it? I do. I do. It's just something new, you know. It's uh, yeah. You know, uh, and in the majority of career in your career, the stuff that you have shot has it been all primarily all in you know chronological order as uh, yeah i mean I, i've done a fair amount of procedurals and and those those don't have to do, be necessarily chronological but there's you know i mean house was you know there was a rhythm i mean we, you know i was on there for five years mm -hmm. and we never really went out of order um but something like colony uh which i was on or ray donovan where it's um you know you're really telling an ongoing story and so you know, the tricky part there is that you'll often not know where you're going or where you've, you know, or what's just happened before. If you're, you know, like with with Ray Donovan, I was not a regular, so I would sort of come in and the story's going forward and I'm got to come in and suddenly I have to get, you have to gather all this information to make sure that you really know where you are and where you're going. Yeah. And you don't have a lot of it. With House, you know, you want to know everything that's going on in that episode. You do all that research, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, this this patient's going to die or live at the end of the episode, and then you're going to reboot and come back, you know, next episode. Okay, so. okay totally get that. Now, in episode three, the key, which was you, Garrett Dillahunt, Coleman Domingo, Jacob, uh, we're still, as viewers and fans, still getting to know your character. We're still yeah. being introduced to Jacob slowly. But so far, Jacob seems to be like the voice of reason within the group. Uh, mm -hmm. Keep his head down. Uh, do what he needs to do to stay alive. Do you agree with that assessment? I do. I do. I was a tiny bit surprised at his sort of willingness. I thought it was neat, a good, cho an interesting choice. You know, he's he does not. He says to to John, you know, you know, give me some time. Maybe I can help change some things. I can give. I can buy us some time yeah. here uh, before you flee. But it's not. He's not indicating that he's going to do anything untoward or going to break any rules. Um, and that's in keeping with his sort of his rabbinical soul, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, yeah, he seems like a spiritual man and, and, and very even keeled. And um, I think he, I get the feeling that they, they, uh, they want to keep a strong sense of his moral grounding as things are flailing around. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they, push that edge, you know, see if he walks out of that at a certain point. But, um, but I really enjoy sort of the energy that he brings. Um, that is that sort of, let's find some peace here. Let's keep our shit together yeah. and, um, and we will be okay. And I, and I like that. It's, it's a peaceful, lovely message. He just feels very grounded. Um, and yet it's such a crazy world, you know, nobody's too grounded. So, because anything can change like that. Now, yeah. how do you, we don't we haven't yet seen Jacob express his feelings, but what do you think he feels living under an author, authoritarian like Virginia? Well, yeah, I think that he he's not going to make waves um, unless the writers surprise me, and uh, and, and he does. Um, I the feeling right, you know, the feeling I get is no waves to be made. Um, but he's got a real strong moral compass and I think he knows exactly what's going on and he can bury it or keep it at bay or keep it in the places that, that don't prevent him from doing what he feels most importantly needs to do, which is to be there for others and, you know, and help sort of keep a, you know, an even keel. Yeah. But I think... Uh, yeah, uh, that totally makes sense. Now, uh, me and all our other viewers who have been watching The Walking Dead for a long time, the show is a lot about, uh, how do I put this, key moments in characters' lives that pivot them to major changes. Yeah. When it comes to the, the your character, Jacob, would it surprise you if you get a script that something happens to your character that causes Jacob to go on a completely different course to what he is, what we know so far. Well, that would be that would be exactly what I would hope for. And I don't say that in a way of complaining that it's not there. I think I, I feel really good about the role he's playing right now. But yes, it is in some way, as you're saying, it's it could be a nice setup for a surprise and any actor wants to look at the script that in which suddenly his character is being pushed 
to the edge where what we know about him uh, is being challenged and how do you communicate that? Is it something that he, you know, if there's a lid on something, that's the interesting part to play as an actor. Now, do you, do you think Jacob uh, is transparent or do you think Jacob is a person who has skeletons in his closet that we are going to slowly find out about as the episodes proceed? Well, I hope that we, I hope that's the case. Um, I can't reveal. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not asking you to reveal anything. No, no, I know know, that. Um, I'm not saying that those skeletons are there. I'm saying that that they're not. Um, But it would be a wonderful, wonderful twist for him. I would, I would hope and you know, that, that that's where they, where they go. I mean, he had skeletons in the first episode when we really got to know him. And uh, it would not surprise me at all that there are more there. In fact, I think the skeletons are what, are part of what you know drives his his ability to you know he's been fighting them I think for some time and he's more complex than he seems and um, it's that much more important for him to keep an even keel. Total, so. I totally get that. Now uh, before we switch gears, I do have a final question about fear. Uh, coming onto the set and the cast, uh, was there any cast member actor that you were really looking forward to working with for the first time ever in your career? Um, well, I, Ruben, <laughs> Ruben I, I knew who he was. I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting to just be around him. And he's so, so nice and sweet and wonderful. I've always said, thought Jenna was wonderful and funny and great. And to see her and what, from my knowledge of her work, totally different ball game here, a very different, you know, persona and she's lovely. And so, and I knew I had stuff with, with uh, Jenna and I mean, I didn't know in the very beginning that I would wind up you know, being on set with Ruben at all, but that was really exciting when it happened. Um, uh, Jenna was great. Um, I didn't know the other folks, but Garrett, I knew uh, quite well. Um, and so that was, I mean, Garrett's an old friend. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we didn't go to graduate school together, but he was at NYU right out of college. And I was at Juilliard right out of college in New York. And my girlfriend was in his class at NYU. So, and we used to, um, we used to have a football, you know, Sunday football grudge matches between NYU and Juilliard, which is kind of hysterical when you think about it. This was not Michigan, Ohio State. No. Put it that way. I'm from New York, um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. yeah. yeah, Central Park, we were going at it, a bunch of actors, but we, it got tough. So and anyway, you know, it's a very tight-knit community there. We were all, you know, in this sort of New York acting grad school world. And, uh, and so I've known Garrett since we were both in our early 20s and um, been on each other's radar and... Uh, so I was really thrilled that we had stuff to play together, and and he's just so good. He's so oh, he is. he's just so quiet. I mean, I'm just not just this role that is quiet and deep and strong. That is my sense of him as a person, and he can play anything. But you know, there's a real sweet spot for him, I think, in this role, and to share the set with him, and just you know, we had that little scene in the our only scene together, just two of us on the edge of the the stage of the of, in the in the temple, and. Uh, I, we just talked, you know, we had each other, he hands me the candy and it's just, I love that. That to me was just my, my, my favorite kind of day. There's a guy I know, he's just an old friend and we're getting to work together in our fifties. I just loved it. Now you being such old friends with Garrett, uh, how, and knowing him for a while now, how different is Garrett Dillahunt from John Dory or how similar? Well, I mean, Garrett's, Garrett is quite... He's not like a good, it's funny. He doesn't come off as goofy. He's not showy in any way. There is a, John is obviously very, very covered. Mm-hmm. Garrett's not covered. He's an open book, which is what's so wonderful and sweet about him. But, and yet there's a dry, quiet demeanor where you're always like a half a step behind, which any really, really funny people, like you gotta, you know, they kind of catch you by surprise. And, uh, <laughs> Garrett's quietly hysterical. He is really, really funny. I think I'm more goofball funny. <laughs> Garrett is just like, you don't even know what hits you. And he's, <laughs> and he's just great. He's, he's just sly and hysterical and everybody knows it. And he, everybody has a blast with Garrett. He's so in that way, he's really not like Dory. Um, uh, John, because he's, you know, John is this, you know, would you say that he's like the biggest clown or the guy who keeps the things the lightest on the set? He's not the biggest one, but he does, you know, there's those who are real showmen who do it or just sort of more, you know, but, but he is, he is a clown. He is 
totally a clown and and he does keep things light and fun and 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 a little more edgy but he does it in a very sort of dry kind of quiet manner and uh but uh he's great to have i mean that's, that's great you can tell everybody loves him. that's loves that's so awesome now is this your first horror show that you've ever done movie horror is this the first one yeah i did a i did a, a movie a long time ago that was a horror movie it's called the midnight meat train and um i will stand by that title um it's uh, bradley cooper pre the hangover um and um it's great it's a you know hacking up you know it's a lot of chopping people up on the subway and uh, i didn't do any of that i just played a short order cook i had a few scenes where i just chomped on a toothpick and and talked like this and uh i didn't get any of the horror part well um so this is my by my i don't usually get to wield weapons so i i got to take a machine gun and blow a zombie apart and you know i learned how to stab him right in the right well, in the eyes or that's exactly what i'm getting at is my next question you your character is amazingly well at taking out these zombies is there anybody that pulled you to the side and gave you a quick round down and you're just such a quick learner that it just comes off as you being a natural? I'm going to say I'm a bit of a natural. You certainly get taught how to do it. The most challenging part is that so they can CGI it right. You can't actually, I mean, there are no real blades. Yeah. They put a rubber blade on when you, and you just have to come like a little bit of a distance from their eyes. I, I hope it's okay for me to talk about this. Oh yeah, but we've had other people right, say, yeah. You've got to hit the right spot but not actually hit it. You have to be like six inches from the right spot. So depth perception wise, it's tricky and you got to really kind of hit it. And then they take the blade off the rubber blade. And then you can actually go closer. There's a lot to think about and to judge. And it, I think everybody has a, there's a bit of a learning curve. I like to think that I, I, you know, You're got good. It pretty quickly, but more importantly, I was surprised at the passion and the confidence with which, Jacob, uh, you know, took these guys out, and uh, well, <laughs> it was fun. I, I apparently for my first episode, I had something like 15, yeah. 15 kills, which I think is high. And I think they gave me some extra ones because they felt like I was not shying away from it at all. No, they no. did actually bruise a rib on, in one moment, and that was uh, troubling. For uh, made it a little bit harder for me to go after the next zombie with as much gusto as I would have liked. But uh, he fell on me, and <laughs> and my the rifle butt. It was right when I get when when I first meet her and she's in the car and I pull a, a, a zombie off or she opens the car door and he falls on me and the the rifle butt got stuck between us and actually bruised my rib but um, oh man but I didn't complain because I'm not a whining rabbi <laughs> now the people that don't get enough credit are the the people that play the walkers uh, the stunt man they're there morning night. Uh, I mean, how is how is it like working with them? And uh, I mean, they must be like true pros at what they do. They're amazing. I mean, there's I think a school. I mean, they have like a full training thing. There are some that are clearly like the, you know, the star mm -hmm. zombies that they go to for the, when they need the right kind of kill or the right kind of. Yeah, they actually They're call gone. them hero zombies. Is that what they call them? Yeah, Greg Nicotero and we had told yeah the 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 zombies that are front and center on scenes that we get to see the closest they even have a name for them they call them hero zombies yeah well you know what it's i mean dying like doing what they do it's got to be they've got to sell it so well it is not a small thing that they're doing i mean that's such a constant part of the show and it's i think it's the ease with which it happens that creates this sort of weird fabulous fun tension and yet it's totally horrifying and it, that's only going to work and that runs throughout every episode throughout the whole show you've got those kills are critical and and you got to get people who really know how to do it it's it's not just you know it's not easy to to, mm -hmm. to get it right and you know just you know they have to snap their heads back and 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 just the right way and and it's a real art and these guys they know it you know when you're dealing with one of the heroes it's like oh this guy is exactly what he's doing because they have to support they support me mm -hmm. they, it's like any stage combat it's the person who's getting hit is the one who sells it mm -hmm. you know that's the, you know, any kind of stage combat on, on, in theater, you know, it's easy to throw the punch, but it's, you have, because you're not actually being punched, you have to sell the fact that you've been punched, and that's where the talent lies, and that's the same thing with these, these zombies, they have to, you know, it's easy to go like that, 
but they're the ones who have to really sell. Exactly. Exactly. They're great. So, and it's fun to sit around with them, like, you know, on lunch, they're all zombied out with their diet Coke, eating Coke, having a sandwich. I can imagine. Now I'd like, (laughs) I want, I'd like to switch gears now. Okay. To the, your longest role to date on any TV show, Dr. Chris Taub on the mega hit show, uh, house. In my opinion, Taub, your character, uh, uh, maybe only being topped by Hugh Laurie playing Dr. House was the most complicated character on that show. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I definitely. I mean, I have to, he was really complicated and I loved it. I, yeah, I think that's, 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 that's possibly sort of right. I can't, you know, I can't, <laughs> I think there's some opinion involved in that. I think that, um, that, uh, um, yeah, I think he was very, very complicated. And um, Taub uh, always had me guessing as to why he did what he did and yeah. what his thought process behind it was. Now, you came on to House at the start of season four with uh, quite a few new cast members who became House's new team, you know, essentially replacing Omar Epps, Jennifer Morrison, Jesse Spencer. They didn't leave the show. They were still there, but you guys became the 2.0 version of House's team. Now, what was it like coming in as the 2.0 version? That was bizarre. I mean, the, the, the whole thing was premised on, we, we had, there were four, of if you remember, there was like a group of 40 students, oh, yeah. you know, and then they keep whittling them down. Um, there were probably nine or 10 of us who uh, wound up going down to the last bunch of episodes. And there were only the, on the five of us, um, Eddie, Githegi, and Annie Dudek, on top of Olivia and Cal and mm-hmm. I, who um, Cutthroat Bitch and um, I forget, Eddie, Eddie will kill me if I don't remember. Big Love. Yeah. Um, we all knew, we all had nine episodes that we were doing. We knew that we were booked to be the final five. Um, and yeah, so when we got down to the final, to the final few episodes, when they, we literally didn't know as they were doing it. The writers did not tell us. I don't think the writers knew until the very end. So there was this weird, you know, they were playing a reality show in the show. Uh-huh. And it really was, it was rolling out that way. We did not know once we, they got down to the final five. We, five of us, did not know what was going to happen. And that's that's not necessarily the greatest setup for yeah. <laughs> ease and yeah. fun and relaxed. But it was. I think there was something so kind of weird and off about it that, you know, you just, it becomes more interesting and more, what are you going to do? You're going to like stress about it the whole time we got, it just made us closer and we would joke about who's going to go and who's not. And, and it just made us even closer. And it was just really fun. And, and again, coming on to a show, as I said, as a guest actor, that was like a moving freight train. That was the number one show on the planet. And we're just sort of being tossed in there. So that part was really intimidating. Um, and more so than, any experience I had had and yet the camaraderie of the group the newbies sort of mitigated that in a big way plus you know Hugh and Omar and you know who are the two that we really worked with the most they were so fun to work with and nice that it it made it cool anyway but uh, it was a weird situation that is so fascinating that the how the game that house was playing to try to pick his new team was actually sort of being done in real life behind the set totally. because uh, I thought you guys knew when you guys signed on to the show, the final three or four that made it, that you we, were in there for the long term. No, we knew that you, you, we knew we had nine episodes to get to the final decision, which meant that we knew that the last four episodes or so, it would just be the five of us, but it was not until you know, I mean, you know, there's a certain lead in time that you need before you get the script. Yeah. But uh, they pulled us aside each individually. And well, I remember when I met David Shore, uh, came down and uh, met me in my trailer and said, you're one of the guys. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> so cool. Now, how did you tackle playing a character who I've already said I thought was very complicated and tall? <laughs> and how did you get into the mindset to play somebody who just had a hard time being monogamous. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, um, you just, any actor looks for the conflict, who looks for the stuff that is difficult. And, um, you know, uh, to me, the the more complicated, the more 
you know, the, the ickier, the more it's, uh, it's uncomfortable, the better. So, I mean, it, you know, you can all imagine what that's like to be in that horrible situation. If you can't, then you make it up. But, uh, it's uh, to me, I love that part of him, and the writers certainly seem to enjoy. You know, I, I love those writers; they were great, and they. I felt at times they they took a certain pleasure in, um, you know, in, in taking Taub down some pretty humiliating and horribly icky uh, avenues, and and that was heaven for me. I couldn't have asked for. A, a better situation where they, for whatever reason, they liked the complexity that I think came um, just maybe the way my, my angle on him. I think the relationship with House was especially lovely and it's tricky. I, I think I got under House's skin in a way that, um, that others didn't and he let me know it. And so there was a lot of tension between us. In a very passive that, aggressive way you did. Yeah. yeah, but that's heaven. That's I mean, that's what you know, you don't want to be the guy sitting around that everybody's fine with. You want to be the guy that people have trouble with. Or you want to be the guy who can't keep his pants up. You you know, who does wind up having, uh, you know, children by two different women who yeah. can't, you know, can't say that's as an actor. That's gold. That, that's what you want. And the writers just kept heaping it on me. It was great. I loved it. Now, I totally the more, get the more humiliating, the better. Now, I totally get the loving the professional challenge of playing the role of Taub, but you sort of touched on this in the beginning of your answer. Were there episodes or scenes that you personally made you just feel icky to play as a person personally? Um, you know, I never have that problem. I don't, um, you can separate, you know, compartmentalize. Yeah, of course. And I've, yeah. And I don't, um, I've never had to play a role that was so morally compromised where I really had to sort of stop and say, wait a minute, like I've never, you know, I've not played some crazy murder or been in a situation where the acting of it was so horrifyingly real and terrible um, that I had to kind of shake out of it. These were very, I think what made Taub interesting and made the show great, you know, the, that these characters were pushed to the edge, but they stayed imminently human. Mm -hmm. And however uncomfortable the situations were the tab was in there was nothing that ever felt like oh i can't relate to that i can't get into that or that's too much for me okay you know the, the deeper the more the deeper i mean that's why that's my that's that's what i love about acting well, i'd say it again that the deeper you go the, the more you know what a wonderful opportunity to to, to push yourself or to be asked to, to push yourself or to be pushed by your fellow actors or director into a place that is uncomfortable and, you know, that you know you're going to come back from, but uh, I don't have trouble separating. No, Taub, I mean, uh, I can't heap enough praise on you on how you portray Taub. I really can't. Now, you Thank and you. Cal Penn, who he played Cutner on the show, Dr. Cutner, had great on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Cal left the show to pursue a job at the White House, I believe. Correct. Did it surprise you how they wrote Cal off the show? Oh, God, yes. I mean, it was not a surprise that he was leaving. You know, uh, we started working on that. Uh, we became regulars in, I guess, at the end, or sometime in 2008. And uh, Obama was, uh, Elected, was the yeah. nominee. And Cal went to, to uh, he became very involved in the campaign um, because of his, you know, he's has a real following, and especially of younger people. So he was doing a lot of work on the campaign, uh, universities. Olivia also got very involved. Um, and uh, so Cal was sort of, they were having trouble scheduling him in because he was torn. And, yeah. uh, um, so uh, when it became clear that his life was going in a different direction, everybody just respected it so much and loved it. He, this was not a case of him, you know, leaving it in any kind of weird way. Yeah. Was, we kind of knew it was coming and the writers God bless them, said, you know, even though this might be a contractual issue here, I don't even know if there was, but, you know, they just, they were really respected where he was going and, and, um, and wanted to make it, you know, used it, you know, let's, let's do this right. And we got the script ahead of time and it was shocking, but I didn't think they would, they would send it that way. But totally I think surprising. that was season five. If I recall, that was his suicide was the catalyst for what I think was one of the great end of season arcs I've ever seen on a, sh on a show, mm -hmm. which was the whole and if I'm wrong, it'll be embarrassing, but I think it was where House 
really he winds up in the mental institution at the end of the season when he thinks that Cuddy loves him and he and he, he needs yeah he's hallucinating to play he's hallucinating and it turns out it's the Vicodin bottle. yeah oh wait you know what I'm taking it back that wasn't Ke- maybe that was Annie's I think no no well Cal is one of his hallucinations at the oh, end right. that right. leads him to going to Robert Wilson. To saying and to saying I need help and he's he knows he has to be committed. Right. I think I'm actually mistaking Annie uh, uh, cut uh, uh, Amber's death. Mm-hmm. I think that spurred him into the yeah. free fall. So yeah. maybe I think Cal's came must have come later. In yeah. any case, it's obviously it was a very radical choice. Um, I th- it was it was really uh, you know it, it provided so much more emotional depth for all of us. I remember shooting the scene right after we find out that he's done it, that he's killed himself. And uh, I remember that, that was one of the scenes I remember shooting. You know, after for almost a hundred episodes, I can I can remember shooting that scene in in its exact detail. And uh, just because you know they had done such a great job of you know. And that episode making- where Cutner does commit suicide. Throughout the whole episode, your, your character, Taub, is like in denial. Not really in denial. He's like, you know what? He did it. He left us, you know, being kind of cold. But at the end of that episode, we see you break down. Yeah. And that was that just was- so beautifully played where, you. you know, it just, you you let your feelings out. You're sitting on a bench in the, on, on, in the hallway of the hospital and yeah. you just let the feel, I think it hits you in that moment that you lost right. a friend. Well, he's lost, I think that couple, it was the episode where Meatloaf, the singer, he yeah. and his wife were both, both died. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I was talking about the lid that you want to put on. I mean, that was the ultimate, that episode was one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. by far. And that moment you're talking about, which is, you know, was really wonderful to, to play. But yeah, you're playing this this horrible lid the whole time, and that's, to me, that's what's interesting to play. And what's interesting to watch um, is how is somebody, how do you, you know, how is somebody faking it? How do we, we all, in life, have to overcome moments of stress or fear, terror, great terror, tiny worries. That's the human condition. So to have the stakes be that high in that episode, it was just a joy to play. And uh, and it was also sad because Cal and I were very close. We're still very close. Um, we're actually working on a, a project together. That's and, awesome. Um, and uh, he's uh, and then we became fast friends. And he's the funniest man on the planet. And uh, we <laughs> we just had a, a lot of we sometimes had too much fun. There were a couple times we got in trouble. Called up, literally called up to the producer's office because we were pissing him off because we were messing around and just having too much fun and we were wrong and we got in trouble. Did you find um, it ironic that he got a role on Designated Survivor as a White House aide? No, I thought it was good. It was great. <laughs> I, I he was also I think he was and am I wrong he was some kind of consulting producer on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about the result, but he was a he was a he was a frontline star on Designated Survivor. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. so funny that he he gets to do a show working in the White House. I I went. He he gave uh, my family a tour of the uh, I think just of the West Wing. Wow. He went to Washington when he was he, he had been off the show and uh, I was in Washington and he showed us around. That it was is really cool. That is so awesome. Now walk us through when you first met Hugh Laurie. I remember. Um, well, again, I, this was a last-second thing. Again, I got the offer for the part on a on a Friday because I remember it was a night of my father's seventieth birthday party, mm-hmm. and it was a Friday night. I was in Chicago, and I got the offer. Then we sort of negotiated it on Saturday and settled on Saturday, and then I was shooting on Monday. Wow! So I had to fly out on Sunday and. Um, so I was on set, like I really, literally like forty eight hours before. I had no idea I was something. That's a quick on. turnaround. Yeah, and then Hugh, I met on the uh, one of the a very famous New York Mets pitcher was there that day visiting the set. I'm a I'm and, a huge uh, Mets fan, so uh, I mean, David uh, wasn't a pitcher, right? It was named David Wright. David Wright, he's the third baseman. Third base. Yeah. He was on the set for some reason, and I was like, oh, my God. And Hugh was excited, too, I guess. I didn't know he knew baseball. So David Wright was, was on the set of House? Uh, yeah. He, you know, he just must have been a fan, and he was in L.A. Wow. And um, so Hugh was very focused on him, and then at some point he turns away and goes, you know, hello, nice to meet you. And um, I think he made some kind of joke about something because I'll, I'll say Hugh is obviously – 
he's the funniest person on the planet. Cal's the funniest person in the country. He was the funniest person in the world. Um, that's no insult to Cal. No, no, uh, no. And he made, he made some kind of sort of scary, funny comment right away. And I was, he's just a big man. He was terrifying to me in that moment because he was Hugh Laurie. I knew the show. I was there to, to act with him. I, I was so disoriented from how fast it happened. He was lovely and trying to, you know, reel me in with some humor. And I just remember I didn't quite get the joke and I was just sort of stressed. And um, um, it took me a while to sort of get comfortable. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I, me and my wife watched House every week together. It was like our date night. And we were several years in and... Uh, I saw Hugh Laurie for the first time outside of a outside of the show house during an awards ceremony, and he's speaking British. I'm like, yeah. I'm like to my wife, uh, uh, he's British. <laughs> uh, you oh, know, didn't know? No, no. I was several seasons into House before oh, I realized God. that Hugh Laurie was British. Now, ever since, and this is going way back. Uh, we have seen, there are a lot of stars on The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking, Lenny James, oh, yeah. who you work with, is British. They all do a great job on adop adopting the American accent. But I got to say, like Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead, not only does he take the British accent, but turn it into a Southern American accent. Well, Lenny does that a little bit too, I think. Yeah, yeah, he does, because they're both uh, supposedly from Georgia on the show. But for yeah. me, number one, and it's, I mean, between Andrew Lincoln and Hugh Laurie, I think Hugh Laurie portraying that New Jersey type yeah. of accent, I mean, it floored me. And he was, I, he was sort of the pioneer in that. I think he was one of the first to, to mm -hmm. do it, to do it that big. He was so meticulous. I mean, there wasn't a sound, a syllable that he would let mm -hmm. go by that um, he did not care about. Yeah. He would sometimes consult with us about... Um, and it, what was funny about it, well, fascinating, and, and was that he, when he showed up on set, that was, you know, or I guess when he showed up on, on, on the lot, in the makeup trailer, and then on the set, he was in his American accent. There was no, no slight hint of British the whole day. The only time he dropped it was when he was getting his hair and makeup off, when he was wrapped. So you'd be all day with him. Talking, 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 talking. He's an American guy. He's from Jersey. And then you go into the trailer. You know, you're sort of tired. It's midnight. You're waving her off. And it's like, hey, how you doing? He goes, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And it's like, what, what? I mean, and it always jarred me every time because it's so real. And then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, you are a Brit. And it sounds very similar to exactly what Andrew Lincoln did on The Walking Dead. Uh, all the people yeah. we spoke to from the time he arrived to when he went to Hawaii to when he left at the end of the day, they don't break out of character. And it's not gimmicky. They're not doing it no. to, for any reason other than I think they that, that you need to. I mean, I think yeah. it's uh, it's about the work. And you gotta respect that that they have that much respect for the craft and what they put into oh. it. Oh, Hugh was, uh, you know, it was a high bar. Oh yeah. Not, I mean, not just the accent. There was not a moment in the script, in the show, in the scene. You had to come with your game. You, you know, every moment. It was his show, and uh, and he cared for it, like, you know, in a beautiful way. Oh, that is so. Now, you, you worked with an all-star cast, uh, including you being part of that all-star cast on the house. Was there any kind of a problem ever with uh, ego cla egos clashing on the show? No. God, no. I kind of wish I could say that just because it would be a little more fun to talk about. <laughs> um, not that I would name names. Not at all. I mean, weirdly... You no, know, because it was a big hit show, and you hear sometimes on these shows that things get a little yeah. wonky. I think the difference was because Hugh was the gorilla. It was really like I mean, I think it was an ensemble show. To everybody's mm -hmm. credit on that, it was it was Hugh. It was Hugh's show and his show. But but the um, we were not just there to prop him up. We all had you know we were it was it was an ensemble show, and uh, and yet it was his show, and he was the you know he was the man, and because. He's such a hard worker and he's so smart and he's so funny. You know, there were moments when, you know, if he got dark, if he got, you know, if he had a stressful day, it was hard not to notice. But who doesn't? I oh, mean, yeah. the, the pressure yeah. on him was immense. And yet he handled it with he was such a gentleman and just so funny and so engaged. And, and it all trickles down from there. So there just wasn't room for any bullshit with the actors and also more importantly you know we just it was just a great group we just yeah. had so much fun and everybody was really really different it took a while i mean my i didn't 
I didn't hang out see Jesse for like almost two seasons. Omar, we got to know right away. And yeah. Omar's he's a shyer person than 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 Cal and Olivia. Okay. And we had a lot of stuff together. And at first, I was like, oh wait a minute, like it's gonna maybe I'm not sure. Like I don't know what angle to take with Omar. By like by the middle of our first season together, he. He is so fun, and we had so much fun. It was just neat because everybody's so different, and he struck me as shy, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is such a riot to be around. And Jesse is really funny, and I just didn't know him for the longest time. And then by the end, he and I had a lot of stuff, oh, yeah. and, and there wasn't anybody on the show I didn't love being with. Amber Tamlin came in mm -hmm. for a season, and she just killed it. She's fabulous, oh, yeah. and she, is, she made me laugh so hard. She's, like, I don't think it's easy to embarrass me. Um, you really can't say anything to embarrass me. Amber Tamba could embarrass me instantly. I don't know what it was. She had me blushing constantly in between takes. Olivia is just the, was, I mean, she came out, I think she was nine years old when she started on that or 19, yeah. 21. She was, you know, preternaturally mature and smart and funny and Cal and Olivia and I had a lot of fun together. Just again, weird situation. And Olivia you know, towards the last final seasons was coming in and out a lot of the show. You know, yeah, I was the only true mm -hmm. newbie, the only true duckling who stayed, who stayed. The, uh, absolutely. From that, that second group. Um, yeah. Olivia, uh, I don't remember why. I think she was just, she was doing more. Movies she was doing and, other projects. Yeah. yeah. And now the woman is a major director, yeah. which is not surprising at all. Yeah. I, love it. I mean, very talented. Were you satisfied with how they wrapped the storyline of House at the end of season eight? Yeah. I thought, I mean, me too. That's one of me those too. Things. Everybody's, everybody's so committed that nobody's going to really agree. You know, it's not, you're not going to get a consensus on a finale usually. Yeah. I thought they handled it really, me really too. well. I thought it was Hugh and Robert, mm -hmm. which is how it should have been. Mm -hmm. um, it was weird. That Lisa was not there that last season, so yeah. that was the only piece that felt like it was missing. And I think they wrapped this up. There wasn't a lot. They didn't need to spend a lot of time with with the team, and and um, you know what I have liked to have been the third on the third motorcycle, <laughs> or, you know, going away. Oh, yeah. Yes, but that didn't make sense. So Tao, I, I loved. You know, it was a it was a lovely wrap up for me. Um, you know, again, conflict lurking. I've got two kids. What am I going to do? What have I done? Um, and I, th I, I think it was, I thought it was very satisfying and, uh, absolutely I got the feeling that most people thought. It was oh yeah. Satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. I totally loved how they ended it. It was, it was, it was Hugh and Robert riding off into the sunset. Yeah. Robert had, you know, uh, Wilson had cancer and they wanted to be together. They had the best bromance, um, probably on oh. TV history. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Robert is, uh, oh my God, the most evil sense of humor. He is so dry. Um, and my kind of my favorite gems, and I rarely got to do it, when I, I had a few scenes over the seasons with just me, Hugh, and Robert. You know, it would be a little quick check-in or something was going on. There's one scene when Hugh was using me, or Robert was using me to get at Hugh and... Uh, I wound up playing racquetball in the morgue. Um, but uh, those few moments when I got to be with the two of them, because they're very close and, and and they just had a whole, their own yeah. language. And just to get, to be a part of that and to be <laughs> with those guys, it was pretty easy. I could only imagine. I could I only imagine. It. We only have a few minutes left, but I do want to touch on the show that you were on, Colony. You said you were with, there with uh, Sarah Wayne Callies. Uh, who was part of the original members of the uh, the Walking Dead? Uh, you guys spent the whole time together. You both did thirty six episodes, I believe, of Colony. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was it like working with Sarah? Did she really talk a lot about the Walking Dead? You know, and so on. Um, no, we, I mean it was part of her. It was a big part of her career, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so you know, all actors, you know, we all know everybody. And so just in the way in which actors are talking about their other jobs and people we knew and, and, um, so it was there, like I knew Josh, you know, from lost, we hear about that. And, you know, when we talk about house and we tease each other. And so her experience at walking dead, I got to know just how, you know, how, you know, how impactful it was yeah. for her. Um, and she would joke about the fact that she keeps getting killed after three seasons. There was another show she was on where she was, killed after three three is the <laughs> unlucky number break? i don't know um but sarah and i had actually met we were i don't remember what season but she was my patient she was the patient my patient mm -hmm. she was the patient in uh, in house once i say my patient because i actually had a lot of i had a bunch of scenes with her um, sarah was in house 
Yeah, she I've was seen amazing. every episode at least three times. She was the one who was uh, had a open relationship with her husband. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I know. Now I know. And, Got it. And then she's, you know, we we had a lot of fun. But I had a bunch of scenes with her then, and uh, and um, it was great. She is so lovely, wonderful actress, very serious. She's, you know, I'm I, if, you know, I'm the goofball for sure next to Sarah. Sarah is. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's a real hard worker and, um, and you'll know if you're, you know, if you gotta come back, to, like, <laughs> back, back in line, she directed an episode, she was fabulous, you know, um, just great. She just thinks everything through so intelligently and she's just wonderful to be around. It was really, I had, a, that was a wonderful show for me. I loved being on that and I didn't get to work with Sarah really until, you know, until the end of the second season and then all the way through the third season. And, uh, it was great fun. It was really, really great. Uh, she's she's terrific. I want to talk. She lived, we were shooting in Vancouver, and we were all a little bit like, "Oh God, we you know we were all hauled ass out to Vancouver." She lives in Vancouver. We were like, "Who, <laughs> who do you know at the network?" <laughs> so. What would you say has been the best role in your professional career career so far? The one that you've enjoyed the most. I, I can't really decide between Italian and sound. I'm not just saying it because we were talking about it, but I guess we're talking about it because there's a lot of energy around it for me, um, would be Taub and Snyder in Colony. Gotcha. I mean, for Taub was, part of it was that I had never been on a show for five years. Mm-hmm. A great show. Mm-hmm. You There was no worry about whether the show was coming back. No. So that angle and that stress and politicking is, is was, out. You just knew you were on something that was happening. It was job security. Yeah. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. uh, the right. So to be on a show that's touching people like that, and I mean, still to this day, I run to people everywhere. You know, like you know, people who went to medical school because they were inspired by House, and it's like that's that's a special thing that that's very rare. And so I feel, I would just feel really blessed to have had that kind of an experience. And my part in it, you know, the writers, they just really took. The, I mean, they took to everybody, but I love the way they took to me and what they did with me and and. and I just felt like I just couldn't have asked for more fun. And again, it's a character who is really conflicted and, oh, yeah. and he's not oh, easy yeah. to like. Oh, yeah. I love playing that. Oh, yeah. And Snyder in Colony was more obviously an evil person, mm-hmm. but and he, you know, but he was this very sort of human kind of geeky guy who suddenly he's the most powerful evil person around and he's not sure why <laughs> and yet he grows into it. And yeah. so that's fascinating to play and the writers on colony were just so on that with me and it's the shows in which i feel like i'm the closest to the writers i love to develop a relationship with the writers and uh and that's important because they start to know you personally they and this happened a lot on house we had five years we were friends and they got to know me and would write to me and the same happened with colony yeah and i think the 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 proof is in the pudding now we only have time for one question and i'm going to use it you were in. You had a small role in 2007 Transformers. What was it like working with uh, Michael Bay as a director? Well, I had been. I was terrified going in just because I had. I had heard that he was, you know, scary and you know it was a big, huge movie. And I don't usually. I don't do a lot of film, and this was a huge film. Oh yeah, big, big budget, budget, big budget. And and Michael Bay, I just he had a reputation for being tough and. Uh, he was the sweetest. He, we just had fun. And, and also Shia LaBeouf was, yeah. if you know, there was no script as far as he was concerned. I mean, he, and it was great. He is just goes. And I just, you know, keeping up with my, the scene doesn't ultimately, it's a small scene. So yeah. you can't see the extent to which, so the, the places he was going and how, you know, I had to sort of roll with him. Um, so his energy was very manic and fun and you don't have to be present. And Michael was just sort of, into having fun and uh i loved it it was just i mean it was one day but it was sort of a neat little scene and uh that's awesome that must have been such a fun experience and we are out of time peter thank you so much for being here with us tonight i can't believe this hour just flew by i want to thank all of our viewers for joining us tonight uh peter again it's been a true pleasure and an honor to have you here guys i'll be back on the air again tomorrow night do you have any final thoughts you want to say 
Like, or me? Yes. No, just thank you. <laughs> it was an honor to be here with such wonderful questions and, and it was just a great conversation. Oh. And I hope people are into Fear the Walking Dead. That's right. So, Fear uh, is in, an, in the middle of an amazing season and we can't see how Jacob, your character, progresses on the show. Guys, I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. Till then, stay safe. On behalf of Peter and myself, stay walking, guys. Good night. Take care.